You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, we're here on Money Talk, and in your money today, we're going to let you know that you do have an alternative to the hugely unpopular MPF, especially if you run your own small business. Uh, Carolyn Wright and her guests take a look at how you can escape the clutches of the MPF legally. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. Today, I'm looking at pension options beyond the MPF that pretty much all of us know about. Graham Cottingham, CEO at Quartermain, joins me now to take a look at the differences between the MPF schemes and the also schemes that are available. Graham, thanks for joining us. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're the expert. Can you explain? Yes, certainly. <laughs> well, I mean, mandatory provident fund schemes uh, authority is the official title for the regulator covering all this. And there's an ordinance that goes with that. And so, as the name suggests, it's mandatory. You, you have to contribute to it uh, if you are employed in Hong Kong, with a few exceptions that are not relevant to people who are working in ordinary companies. The MPF is a, a capped arrangement where 5% of contributions are paid into the MPF scheme on a monthly basis, usually, um, up to a maximum of $1,800. And then on the other hand, you have the Occupational Retirement Scheme, the ORSO as it's sometimes referred, which is a voluntary scheme. And the voluntary part about it is both in the timing and in the amount of the contribution. Uh, so there can be unlimited contributions. The important thing about it is you have your own choice of investments. In the MPF schemes, you're limited to the uh, funds that are available on the particular platform that your employer has signed up for, whereas on the occupational retirement scheme, uh, you can choose your platform and therefore also choose your funds. That means you can choose the, the best ones that are available in the particular areas that you're interested in investing. You have more choice. And so you can get better results from that type of arrangement. We're all, like you say, contributing to our MPF. Why do you say that those contributions might not be enough for retirement? I think a lot of us probably realise this, but just walk us through. Well, I mean, MPF, it's a hugely important first step that the government and the regulator have made because before that, ordinary people didn't have any mechanism for saving for retirement at all. So moving from that position to something where people have some savings, of course, is a big improvement. But it is a first step because if individuals are contributing 5%, the employer is contributing 5%, and that is capped at these levels, that's really not enough for most of your listeners, I think, to retire on, and particularly if the rate of return on those savings is not very good, uh, or if inflation is high as it is at the moment. Uh, so it's important to have alternative choices and the Occupational Retirement Scheme offers that choice. Can anybody become a member of an ORSO scheme? The ORSO schemes are available to employers to set up in Hong Kong. So it needs to be a Hong Kong company, Hong Kong business, who would be the, the entity that sets one of these up. And having done so, anybody who is an employee associated with that firm can then contribute. Um, I mean, there would be some small exceptions for people who are just visiting on very short-term contracts to Hong Kong, but people who are ordinarily working here uh, would be able to to participate as long as one of these schemes has been established. And, and do a lot of major employers already do this, and people just aren't necessarily aware, or, or do they do they not 
not get involved? I think the main promotion of pensions, certainly from the regulators and the government, has been to ensure that all the employers are using MPF schemes. And that has required quite a lot of effort. Um, it has been achieved, but it's required quite a lot of effort. And the occupational retirement scheme is often overlooked. It's actually, the legislation for it is older. Uh, it's been around for longer, but it's used le less often. And really, at the moment, it's a, it's a, a huge missed opportunity uh, because there are tax advantages to making contributions to, to pensions, uh, which would also allow employers to retain their employees uh, in a competitive market. And we always are hearing from people these days about the problem of talent retention, Absolutely. for example. Absolutely. We were discussing that very recently on Money Talk. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is, I mean, in, in the European jurisdictions, it's sort of taken for granted that people have uh, employment benefits and they have pension arrangements that are rather more generous. And in Hong Kong, we've been a little bit slow to catch up with that. And uh, I think now is the sort of time when people will be paying more attention to this sort of thing because they, they now have to if they're going to be competitive as employers. That's exactly the discussion we were having, that it's incentives that people are looking for to stay on with, with companies. And this sounds like, it, you know, obviously it's something that people would be like, oh, this is a good thing for, for my future. Now, you mentioned there um, certain tax advantages that, that there can be as part of these schemes. Is, is, is it simple to explain that or is that very complex? Not particularly. I mean, in, in the Inland Revenue Ordinance, there is a provision that allows for people to receive up to 15% of their emoluments, generally salary bonuses and a few other elements of their benefits package, 15% of that amount can be contributed by the employer to the pension scheme uh, in, in an occupational retirement scheme or an MPF. And that amount is tax-free in the hands of the employee, provided that they're employed for 10 years or longer. So if you think about somebody who, for example, is earning 1.15 million, then 150,000 could be contributed to the pension, which would otherwise attract a marginal tax rate of 17%. So even when you adjust that for contributions to the mandatory provident fund scheme, that would be 18,000 off. The net result is that you could contribute another 132,000, and 17% of that is 22,440. So you are actually losing 22,440 by not participating in the scheme <laughs> per annum. <laughs> per million earned, if you like. And, and to the employer, it's tax neutral because right. it's, not, it's not, if the employer is saying, I'm going to set aside this amount of money for benefits for my employees, it doesn't make any difference to the employer whether that is paid in salary or bonuses or, or pension. So why not max out on the pension? I mean, perhaps some of the very young people who are earning less might want to be paid more. Life is tough and t things are expensive. Yeah, right. But, you know, on the other hand, you really can't start too soon for planning for retirement. And uh, the sooner you start, the, the more comfortable you're likely to be the sooner. That brings up a very important question for us to be talking about, and that is, at what age do you think people should be starting to contribute? Is that as soon as they begin their working lives? And what sort of percentage of their salary should they be looking at? It's unfortunately not quite so simple as saying percentage of salary. I mean, right. I suppose if somebody has got used to being able to pay the bills comfortably on a, on a salary, then they're perhaps 
have some idea what sort of number they need in retirement. But essentially, it's a matter of projecting forward in order to maintain a comfortable standard of living, paying all the bills, paying the children's education, paying for holidays, whatever else might be required. If you didn't have any income from employment, how much would you need to comfortably do that? And by the way, you still need a mucky stocking uh, in case of some disaster along the way that, uh, you know, where you suddenly need expensive hospital treatment or whatever it might happen to be. Generally speaking, out of the expat clients that we deal with, it's not uncommon for people to need two or three million US dollars worth of, of uh, retirement savings to see them through retirement. And remember, people are living for longer. Typically. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, so if, if people stay healthy in retirement, they might uh, might also retire a bit earlier if they have the chance. And if they save more earlier, they're, they're more likely to have the chance. And if they leave it till later, they won't. So there's an incentive for you. So, you know, really, the sooner you start, the better. And then, I mean, that comes back again to one of the advantages of the occupational scheme, which is that because you can access any fund you like, you can go for the best in class of funds that are suitable to your risk profile and that means you're more likely to get decent investment returns and before I came here just out of interest I went on to the MPFA uh, funds platform and uh, this has got some statistics on it that show what the average returns have been on different funds over different time horizons so for example the uh, equity funds there the best performing equity funds as at the 31st of January are shown as producing 7.8% per annum. This is over a five-year period. It's a little higher than that over 10 years. But that's only just in line what the, with what the global equity indices are, are showing. Right. Whereas if you go for a best-in-class fund, you're likely to do rather better than that. And keep in mind, that's, that's the best performing. The worst performing, to take the other end of the spectrum, is minus 9.6% per annum over the same period, okay. so massive losses. And, of course, we have just had a very tough time with uh, Russia's silliness in Ukraine and what have you. It, it has seriously damaged the, the short-term positions on, on global equities. But the problem is that even if you were to take a more cautious view and you put all your assets into money market funds or guaranteed funds, you're not actually much better off because if you look at the MPF stats on those, for example money market funds, depending on what you choose, the best performing are between 0.8 and 1.2% per annum. As you know, inflation is running at the moment at 5%. So your money is actually going backwards if you put investments into those funds in the MPF arrangement. And you don't get much better results if you're in guaranteed funds or bond funds for that matter over five or 10 years. Making savings that are declining in real terms is obviously not very attractive. We're going to leave the discussion for today now. Thank you so much, Graham, for joining me. He's CEO at Quartermain.